At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. All right, guys, so ultrasonic leak detection, welcome back, by the way, is something that's new to me, new to a lot of people. Some people have used it and have used it for, for a while, actually, with success. And it uses a microphone, it picks up the sound of the leak rather than using a sensor to, to actually pick up the presence of refrigerant. So from Inficon here, we got Nick Stoikovsky, and he's going to give us the rundown on basically what a, an ultrasonic leak detector is things we can use it for when we're when we're searching for refrigerant leaks but other things we can use it for that doesn't even involve refrigerant pretty cool and then we go on to talk about a little bit of cloud hunting and pinpointing with the DTEC stratus later on in the podcast as well so all in all educational stuff about leak checking refrigerant this is the hvac know-it-all podcast i'm your host gary mccready This podcast is sponsored by Master. They got their York, Coleman, Mouver. Mouver is their own specific heat pump. It's their own brand, their own centralized heat pump and mini split ductless brand. So if you're looking to move into becoming a York, Coleman, or Mouver dealer, check out Master, master.ca. Um, and the other thing to throw in there, and I've mentioned this before, is Mouver comes with a 10-year labor warranty as well as a parts warranty. That is pretty attractive to a lot of contractors. This podcast is sponsored by Cintas. And if you're looking for a uniform solution, maybe switch it up a little bit, spruce the team up with some nice fitted blue collar uniforms. I mean, we got pants, jackets, hats, vests, sweaters, shirts, everything that you would need under the sun for the blue collar uniform category. Check out Cintas.com forward slash HVAC know it all. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast, recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC, from storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. All right, Nick. So ultrasonic technology for leak checking is something that's new to me. I met you uh, approximately a year ago you and uh one of your colleagues at the cmpx show and you guys were luckily it was it was almost like it was like uh meant to be because i i had some obligations over at the 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 rapid locking system booth and and hanging out with those guys and you guys were right beside them and we got to chatting about sort of the the technology and in leak detection and you guys were demoing the whisper to me the the ultrasonic and i I was kind of shocked and blown away that i had not really learned about it in the past because I'm like, wow, this could be very useful to me at some point in time. And I want to learn more about this. So now you're on the podcast. So I, I think that we should start and, and talk about ultrasonic leak technology and, and the, the capabilities of the whisper, not just for leak checking, but other things as well, because it can do other things besides leak checking. So I'm going to give you the floor. Tell us about ultrasonic first. What is it? So ultrasonic technology is basically um, some sort of device that's going to be listening 
for a certain sound and translate that into some sort of um, indication for the user, in our case, a leak or um, even uh, heterodyne type uh, of technology to listen to problems. So um, it's not using what we would say a traditional method of leak detection where you would draw in a sample and then analyze the sample in, in a given way. This is actually listening to the problem. So it's a microphone in a sense. Okay. All right. So what are people for for the people that have never used ultrasonic before right and and they're trying to find a slow pesky leak that's kind of been plaguing the 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 company for a while because it's i it, it's happened to me like i've gone um to a system and and you look at the all the refrigerant tags you're flipping through them it's like wow every like nine months somebody's here putting refrigerant in and they're saying it's the schrader valve <laughs> <laughs> right which is which usually ends up being the the excuse when you can't find the leak uh oh, schrader valve leak and replace it added refrigerant this is this is something that's happened in the industry for a long time as far as i'm concerned from my my standpoint but then you go use some some good leak searching technology like ultrasonic or you use an electronic and you find the leak and you fix it and and you move on so for those that are not used to hearing through that through the headphones what an ultrasonic leak sounds like can you maybe describe what we're looking for when we're trying to find that leak that the sound that we're going to hear yeah so um you will actually you can do the heterodyne um, technology which is actually listening to the physical leak but we also have the microphone tuned in to about 40 and a half kilohertz and so every leak whether it's in pressure or vacuum uh, makes a certain frequency. So that is the frequency uh, of, the, of the leak itself. And so when you tune in to that specific frequency, you have a better shot of finding where the leak is and canceling out any other uh, leaks around, or, or sorry, any other issues that you have around or noises or, or um, anything that can interfere. Um, so the nice part about that whisper, again, is it's tuned in to the, to the leaks and leaks can change based off of how they're shaped or how much pressure is behind the leak. But in general, you're going to have a pretty, uh, pretty successful um, leak search or, or leak identification, I should say, with, with, uh, or location, I should say, with, with, uh, with the whisper, just because it's tuned in for that uh, 40 and a half kilohertz range. Mm -hmm. Now, I think, it, it, sorry, sorry, go on. Well, I was going to say, and I think it's important to state that, you know, um, listening to leaks is good for um, for applications where you don't have the ability to go and sense the gas. Now, I, I do tell people I, I wouldn't replace an electronic leak detector with, with ultrasonic technology. Um, if you think, you know, the main way that I would leak check would be obviously going in with an actual, you know, something like the Stratus. Uh, electronic leak detector. But for the instances where you cannot sample that gas, uh, say you're using nitrogen, this yeah. is the technology that's going to give you an extra arm or extra leg or, you know, a tool in the toolbox uh, to make your, your capabilities more advanced. You have the right weapon of choice, so to speak, right? So um, going in with a complete set of tools really helps, you know, cut down on that leak checking time. And I think that's what this is all about. It's making sure you have the right tool for the job. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, I was going to say you could, my preference to leak check a system when it already has refrigerant in it is to pull out the electronic 
um, find, find where the electronics says there's a leak and then grab my soap and then soap over that specific section just to, just to show some bubbles. I mean, sometimes the leak is so small, uh, cause electronics will, are, are a little bit more sensitive than, than bubbles are. Sometimes you might not see a bubble, but if you're using a trusted electronic leak detector that, you know, finds the leak all the time and you come up with a leak in that specific area and it's always going off every time you sample it then most likely you've got a leak. But I like coming in with soap after just because the, it, taking a picture of that is a good visual for a customer. Hey, there, there's your right. leak. There's the bubbles, right? Um, and sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes you got to wait 10 minutes for those bubbles to start uh, micro bubbling up and creating that kind of foamy sort of uh, effect uh, around the leak. But that being said, sometimes you go up to a system that is completely flat, nothing in it, right? And the leak could be small, who knows? And you, you add nitrogen and the pressure's not dropping. You're sitting there and the pressure's not dropping. What's going on? Um, you leave it overnight and it drops five PSI. Well, you got a, you got a slow leak in that thing. Uh, so that's where an ultrasonic could come in handy. But back to that original question, when we're listening for it, what do we hear in our headset? Is it Does, does it sound like um, nitrogen pissing out of a, a hole in, in a in an evaporator but just more intense or does it yeah, sound like vi- it's, yeah? it's honing in it's you'll, you'll hear like a hissing sound as you make your way over the leak so it okay. really amplifies what that sound is going to be and if you put some you know uh like you said some water over the hole or something like that it actually can amplify some of the uh the hissing sounds that you hear um, if you don't use a headphone, what you're going to hear is a beeping uh, indication of the where the leak is. And that's more of the ultrasonic, um, you know, receiver that you have. And when it hits that for that frequency, you're going to hear a, a beeping sound and you'll see the lights increase on the tool itself. Ah, okay. So you don't actually have to use the headphones. You can take the headphones out if you're in a noise, like say you're in a super noisy area. Uh, yeah. you can just, you can just watch the, the ultrasonic lights moving up and down when it hits the spot. Exactly. As almost like you would on a leak detector or an electronic leak detector, I should say, um, where you, you get the pinpoint indication, almost like you've seen on our Stratus where mm-hmm. the, the bars go up. These are the led indicators on the side that you'll see go up. Yeah. And I guess the other thing too, and many, many people, many people within, within the industry will agree that. Your, your vacuum is one of the best leak detection methods there is. You could you could send 500 PSI into a system and it could take a while before you start to notice anything. But if you pull something down to 150 microns and you, you, you release it and you start rising and you determine it's not because of moisture, but because it's a leak, how do you leak check something like that? You, you can't do it with an electronic. And that's another way well, that you can do it. With I would a... say even on the, on, on the pressure side of it. Um, and this is a, a conversation we've had going around Infocon and with our customers, um, the challenges of doing pressure decay, right? If you see the pressure decrease, yeah, you know, you have the problem, but you can't pinpoint exactly where the problem is. Now, some mm-hmm. people will say, yeah, well, I have some 22 in the system. Um, I'm just going to charge it up and I'm going to go find it that way with my sniffer. It doesn't always seem to work that way because you can't guarantee that those molecules of refrigerant have made their way in front of that leak or there's any of that gas left because uh, it's not a perfect blend all the time with the refrigerant and the nitrogen that you're charging with. Yeah, it makes sense. So the other part with that is 
even if you do have um, the mixture there or you do have the actual refrigerant gas behind the leak and the nitrogen is kind of pushing it out, you don't know how, how long that's going to stay. You don't know what the mix or concentration of nitrogen and, um, and refrigerant is. And so part of knowing the sensitivity or staying consistent with leak checking is knowing what gas you're actually uh, sensing or the concentrations behind it, because that's how you get that one gram per year uh, rating is based off of a known concentration or mix. So when I don't have that, I'm actually less sensitive and there's nothing worse than going through a, a system not knowing exactly how my leak detector is working. So I think knowing knowing the application and knowing what your capabilities are, and that goes to the whisper too. If it's really noisy, um, you may struggle to find because something else could potentially, um, you know, make a make that same frequency um, or um, kind of confuse the leak detector a little. But if you know the capabilities of the leak detector, meaning the whisper itself, there's things you can do to hone in again and try to eliminate some of that noise. Um, that you might have in the background to give you a better success or better success with, with your leak check uh, application. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to ask you about water in a second, cause you mentioned it, but I, you're, you mentioned before we started chatting that, that you go around training technicians. So is that, is that your position at Inficon? Are you, uh, so it's, it's one of the things that I'll do. Yep. I'm a senior marketing applications engineer. So oh, okay. um, I do a little of that. I assist the sales guys, uh, any way I can. Uh, and I'm also pretty involved on the product development side. So investigating new markets and, and, um, Perfect. and trying to expand there. Well, for a marketing guy, you sound pretty technical. That's not usually the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have uh, some experience in, in the field as an engineer. I'm just, so. I'm just playing with you. Um, so I wanted to ask you about water because you mentioned water and people, when I started to, to post about the whisper, just going down, this is like people that, that listen to the podcast and follow what I do online. I'll take a subject within, within the industry and, and I'll, and I'll go at it hard for, a few weeks, a few months until I learn as much as I can about it. And I pass that information on to the audience as part of, of what my philosophy is in, in this industry is learn and then, and then reteach it. And a lot of people are telling me that, yeah, you, you have a bottle of water and if you're looking for a leak, spray some water on it, it will kind of, um, it'll make that noise a little bit more easier to find. But what I wanted to say to that is if you're trying to search for a leak in a vacuum, stay away from squirting water on it because it's going to suck the water in, in, you don't want to have water being sucked in. You want to use the water when the, the pressure is moving out of the system. So it'll push Definitely the water away. Right? Definitely. Yeah. I, I wanted to bring that up because I want it, because I know there's kids listening to this that are just entering the trade that may get confused about that. And why does the water intensify the sound? Just because it's well, kind of bubbling and, and it's so kind of... yeah if you think about a hole and and there's a colleague with an inficon that has this expression and i think it's a perfect description of what's happening but uh the more torturous the hole is the more turbulence you create with the molecules crashing and banging out of that hole the more noise it's going to create right so if if you have a smooth hole it may not make as much sound as if you have a really jagged hole so if it's almost like if you think of more of a rip than a perfect drill, um, you're going to make more noise there because the, the molecules are kind of crashing and banging and making their way out and making more noise basically as, as they exit. You know, the more pressure you have behind the system, that's going to make a little more intensity in the sound as well. So 
um, just again, knowing that stuff uh, can help you. So when you're under pressure, like you said, spraying the water on top, you're making it a little more of a turbulent condition coming out of the hole. And that way, it, and, and the effect of that is, is amplifying my sound. Perfect. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Now, there is some accessories that come with the whisper that allows us to do some other things like there's a there's a contact probe is that right is it a contact probe yep. that you okay and there's also a device that allows you to have it uh a transmitter into, yeah a transmitter that you'd put inside of like another room for instance if mm -hmm. i remember correctly so let's okay. start with the the contact device let's talk about that and, and how it works how so, you apply it to the tool and what what, what we can use it for and this is where people um, sometimes get a little surprised that we're able to do this, but um, to expand on what the tool's capabilities are, not just in leak detection, but overall maintenance uh, on, on some issues that you may have. Um, what we can do with the contact probe is almost like the stethoscope that you'd see previously or the old screwdriver trick where you'd hold a screwdriver up to your ear and put it on a me mechanical part that's moving. Um, with the contact probe, we're actually able to amplify that sound, make it a little more crisp, make it a little more clear. And you can listen to something that's a mechanical sound. Like say you're doing PM on a fan, right? Um, and you want to check to see if, uh, you know, it's a really expensive fan or something like that. You want to see if the bearings uh, are good. You can put the contact probe on the bearing and you can compare one to the other to make sure that, yeah, I got a smooth sound or, oof, this one sounds pretty bad. I, I may want to replace it. Um, and, and any component like that, it doesn't have to be even HVAC related. Uh, it could be bearings in a motor. It could be valves that you're listening to. It could be, um, you know, any number of mechanical applications where you can really listen to what's going on inside. Yeah. For a PM, I think that would be pretty cool. I, I mean, is there a way to get a baseline with that though? Is it can, can, or do we just kind of have to go, okay. Um, and compare it to other things like that one sounds good. This one sounds not so good. But I think if... things we could do in the future to give you a baseline, um, you know, there hasn't, to be honest with you, there hasn't been enough people that know about that, that I've talked to, to even give me feedback on what they think is, uh, is what, you know, a proper baseline. Um, but really, I think if you do have the comparison there, because sometimes you'll have two or three bearings sitting next to each other. If you go from one to the other and you do find three are fine and one is not, then you can basically tell, okay, this one sounds weird. Uh, I should probably go ahead and do a little more investigation to make sure that everything's okay. Yeah. And I mean, here's the scenario that I see using something like that. I mean, I was inside of a, uh, a, a big giant HRV that had two motors supply return that were belted and the motor has its own set of bearings. The, the, the blower has its own set of bearings. And when I was up, when I was at it, it was kind of noisy. I'm like, what's going on here? And I guess, and you could walk into this thing while it was running, uh, if, if you wanted to, <laughs> uh, and you could track down the noise by going to every motor and every s set of bearings in that thing and figuring out which one is actually causing the most vibration using that contact probe and and because when, when there's a whole bunch of things running at once it's hard to say the noise is coming from that right it's it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to, to do that so if you have two bearings per blower and and two motors you've got six pieces of, of equipment 
that could be making that noise. You got to verify, you got to pinpoint what it is. You can't just say, okay, we're going to change all the bearings on this because I don't know which one it is that's making a noise. Go to each one, pinpoint which one it is and rectify that particular situation, right? Right. Or if now, I mean, more than ever now with the fan walls that you have, I mean, that's just more components. So it could make it easier to go through and kind of compare and analyze each one of the fans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Okay, so then the device... That is, uh, what did you call it? Sorry. The, the, uh, the transmitter transmitter. Okay. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that for a minute. Sorry. Okay. So I'm I'm not feeling well today, man. I got a bit of a cold. My memory is terrible in most cases, but today it's just, (laughs) it's, it's out to lunch. (laughs) No no worries. You, you, uh, you are able to remember a much larger scope. I just need to focus on a few things. So yeah. So the transmitter, the transmitter I thought was kind of cool because, I remember you guys showing me, and it was Mark that was with you at CMPX, right? Yes, Mark. Mark okay, so Huckle, yeah, that's right. So the transmitter. I remember you guys talking about it. I'm like, ah, that's kind of cool. Um, do you want to explain how that device works? So yeah, um, that transmitter is emitting the perfect frequency, so to speak, for our microphone, okay. and the microphone being our ultrasonic uh, leak detector, Whisper. And so if I want to check a seal or something like that, where, you know, I don't have any pressure or vacuum, um, obviously in those applications, like a reach in or um, something like that, where I've got a gasket, I can leave this transmitter inside, close the door and then scan the outside of the gasket. And if there is a leak or uh, a hole of some sort, the frequency will actually pass through. And then I can use that as my leak detector. Um, So, Again, making the perfect perfect frequency. Um, yeah, I can t- check. You know, on a, on a car, you could almost check uh, door seals. Um, so it's just making it the the tool useful in any application that doesn't have pressure or vacuum. So I've got another Sensi thermostat to look at, and that's the Sensi Light. And I'll be taking a deeper dive into that in the month of what month are we in now? We're in the month of uh, May, I guess we are spring. Wow, good times. So I'll be looking into the Sensi Light coming up in the month of May. As I mentioned on the last podcast, Ambro Controls, it is a lightweight torch set. I mean, it came out of Australia, basically is, is where the kind of the, the trend started for, with this technology, using map gas, using a smaller oxygen cylinder that is disposable, and, and just lightening the weight for the contractor for light commercial or residential applications. So Look for more demo stuff coming online on, on social media on the Ambro control stuff. So last week I busted out the 560i scale and intelligent valve again from Testo to weigh in the charge of my added refrigerant charge of a heat pump system after the calculations were made. So the calculations were given to me by the, the startup guy from Mitsubishi. I threw them into the manifold set, set it, press start, and it weighted in and stopped at the exact amount. Pretty cool stuff that allowed me to, you know what I mean, zip tie up some stuff within the, the unit and just pick up a, a bunch of other garbage around so I didn't have to sit there and monitor it as it was going in. I really like the scale. It, it gives you the benefit of being efficient, so check it out. Okay, so I'm I'm just thinking here where this application could work in, inside of... Uh like a freezer, like a walk-in box. Cause a lot of freezers are plagued with 
ice buildup, moisture gets in, ice ice builds up on the ceiling, ice builds up um, in, in different places. I, I've used door curtains and stuff to help with this when the door opens to allow less moisture to move in. But if you've got any sort of infiltration within that box, you could maybe put the, the device inside and go around with the whisper on the outside and try to find out where, where that infiltration is because you could have a big gap, a big opening where a seal is kind of, it, it's been compromised and you don't really know and you're letting in moisture in all kinds of places. And you could use that to find out exactly where where the box may may have been compromised on a seal and go around and fix all these things. Is that maybe a good example of yeah, okay. absolutely. That's that's um, exactly one of the applications I would use. Awesome. For. All right. I mean, so the Whisper ultrasonic leak detection, it sounds like that we could use it in the place of um, nitrogen leak checking, uh, yes. evacuation leak checking, which is not something that most people wrap their head around. How do I find a leak when it's in a vacuum? Well, we can find it with ultrasonic. Uh, pinpoint... Yep issues with bearings or motors and pinpoint infiltration in envelopes that that that's that's a big wide range of of things that we can do with one tool so if there's anything i want to switch over to electronic leak detection and cloud hunting and all that uh with the dtech stratus in a minute but is there anything you feel is important with ultrasonic leak detection uh before we move on i think yeah, and I, I think it's, again, important to say um, this isn't the ultrasonic leak detection isn't a one uh, one you know stop shop for all of your leak detection needs um, because you will still have, again, and I think I've said it in the beginning of the podcast, but you'll still have um, success or more success if you can find refrigerant leaks uh, with the specific refrigerant leak detectors. You're going to be a little more sensitive. But that doesn't mean that it won't work. And understanding exactly how the Whisper or any other ultrasonic leak detector uh, is designed to work and the capabilities that it has and knowing your application is going to give you much more success than just kind of turning it, turning it on, going and chasing piping and, uh, and expecting a, a great result. Because um, I can tell you it can get a little confusing if you don't understand how exactly to use this and and what the capabilities and the limitations are mm-hmm. really. Now, is there any training resources that would help people get started using? We do have a few videos online. If you go and look at our um, Inficon website, um, you'll see we have uh, and more to come, but uh, product videos on almost all of our products, quick start guides, um, and and really uh, good information on the, on the actual webpage itself. So if you go there, uh, that's a good reference to, to, to at least start. And you can always call Inficon um, to help you out and assist you with anything that goes on with your leak detectors or if you have questions on how they can be used. Um, you know, you, you can get transferred to me or a couple of the other people we have within Inficon um, to really help you and make sure that you're, you're getting the most out of Perfect. your tools. Okay, so let's, let's switch it up to electronic leak detection. And I would say a year and a half ago, I use the, the DTEC Stratus and it's, 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 it's an upper echelon tool in the, in the, in the leak detection world. I mean, it's more expensive, but it's more expensive because it offers uh, high quality and it offers a couple of different things that a regular leak detector wouldn't really offer, I guess, in generally speaking, but I want to tell you a bit of a story 
uh, of how I used it. And, and I know cloud hunting, a, a lot of grocery store guys will say they'll go into a, a mechanical room and they'll turn on cloud hunting and they'll walk. And as the, as the PPM starts to, to, to get larger, they, they walk in that direction and they, they, they go to basically it helps them find which area of the mechanical room they've got a leak in. And then they kind of go into to pinpointing it after that. But I used it in a, in a very, very small application on an evaporator coil because I, I wanted to get a specific readout of what was happening. And I'll tell you the story here. I've, I've experimented with a product called AC Smart Seal, which is an oil-based sealant. It does, every, every time I mention sealant, Everybody says, oh, it clogs the system. So just let me say, anybody that's listening for long enough is, is known what I'm going to say. It's, it's oil-based. It's not polymer-based. It doesn't react to air and moisture. Um, I, I've learned this from about five or six years using it now. And I've used it in certain applications where the, the machine's out of warranty, but there's an evaporator leak and I wanted to try it and test it. And his, it has worked in the right application to actually minimize a leak where a detector has not picked it up or it has brought it down to a very small detection detection. So we had this system that was losing gas maybe once a year, the sight glass would, would flash and it doesn't necessarily mean a flashing sight glass means low charge, but in this case it did. So every year you'd start to see bubbles in the sight glass. So I went and used an electronic, um, found that the evaporator had had a leak. Right. And this was the time True Tech Tools, shortly after True Tech Tools had sent me the loaner DTEC Stratus to try out. So I took it in and I was getting around, I think, 30 parts per million in this specific area where I picked up a leak before with another electronic. 30 parts per million, somewhere in that range. So I put the AC Smart Seal in. And it was about a week later. I, I can't recall. This is going back like three years now, probably. I put it in and I went back a few days later and put it on the cloud hunting. Cloud hunting is when it shows the, the parts per million, right? Just to make sure that I'm saying this right. Okay. Yeah. So I, I put it on cloud hunting again and I went back in that same area and it went from like 25 or 30 or, or in that range parts per million down to one or two parts per million in that same area. So it told me it was sealing the leak. If I went back in another week, who knows, it could have been zero, but I didn't follow up again um, on that because I had to send the tool back to, 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 to TrueTech because my, my loaner time was up with it. Um, but it showed me that that specific product was actually beginning to work. But the cool part is it wasn't just a light or a beeping sound. It was an actual readout of parts per million. And that's what told me, hey, this is actually working. And it was cool to see that. So, I mean, if you have any thoughts about how I use the, the cloud hunting in that situation, please throw in your two cents and then talk about how it's regularly used if, if I'm not using it in the, yeah, the traditional no, I, sense. Yeah, I think that's good. I, I think that um, anytime you're using PPM, that's the whole concept behind it, whether you're going from uh, four feet away or you're going from 20 feet away, it's the uh, increase in the background concentration that's generally going to mean that you're closer to the leak source. Um, now, the only thing is when people say, I'm going to quantify a leak with PPM, um, in our world, uh, it is, you know, people are successful with doing that. Um, in the 
production side, I'll say, of Inficon, where we make the benchtop leak detectors, that's not necessarily how we would ever want to quantify mm-hmm. a leak. And the reason why is because what, what a concentration is, is the leak rate over time. So if I've, and, and not only that, but also if I've got, um, you know, outside factors, if I've got wind coming in, um, that could wash away my back background or my concentration, and it can make it look like a smaller leak or a smaller problem, when in reality, I just don't have the concentration buildup. Um, so just knowing that, again, it's it's the more you know about your tools, the, the better you're going to be at understanding what's going on and how to increase or I should say decrease the time it takes for you to get to the leak. And I think that's the whole point, again, behind Stratus. So using the PPM in most of our applications is going to generally get you closer to the leak. And that's really what it, it it's mm-hmm. made to do. Yeah. Okay. So in in your experience, how are techs normally using it? Is it the the way I described it in the the mechanical room of a of a rack system in supermarket refrigeration, starting from the door and and kind of moving towards the the largest PPM reading? Yeah, I, I would say that is the the number one way I'll see it used, um, especially before. Um, because you know you'd walk in and, and you wouldn't see anything on a traditional leak detector, maybe a little blip, that didn't give you insight to what's going on or where things are coming from. So that's exactly where uh, this Stratus is how people, and it's funny to see their faces when they walk into a mechanical room that does have a pretty large concentration of refrigerant built up, and all of a sudden you start to see numbers grow, and then you say, okay, keep going. And as I start to walk forwards, I start to see that number increase. You can see people's faces uh, they have that aha moment. This is really going to help me. Yeah. Okay. So what other features in that DTEC stratus are we, are we looking at using besides the, the cloud hunting? So it's important to remember, you do have the pinpoint mode with auto zero, and then you have pinpoint mode and we call it manual zero mode. And the two are a little different. Um, the auto zero is really to zero the background out to make sure that you're only going to indicate a higher concentration or that you're closer to the leak, uh, being that it's you're, you're sniffing out a higher concentration. So um, some, sometimes people will go over a leak and they say, well, this thing is, it, it goes off, but then it goes away and I got to pull it away and bring it back. And it's really, well, if you just, if you're understanding what that tool is doing in auto zero mode, Uh, It's made to do that in that mode. It's made to come back down because what we just did is set the background. So really, I'm not going to alert you anywhere else other than when you get closer to that leak. And so you can verify it again by repeating the same process once you get yourself closer to the leak. And this could be, I'm talking close where you're going over a joint, right? But you're getting close in that general vicinity uh, within, let's say, 12 inches away or so. And I start going off. I really want to hone in on what connection that is and having the auto zero just makes it so people don't have to worry about that background concentration. And so with manual zero, I can manually control that zero point. So as I get closer to the leak, or let's say as that concentration or background grows, um, the indication or that light or the, the, the indication that you get on the, on the screen uh, starts to increase with the concentration. So it's pretty responsive too. If I pull myself away from that leak, you'll see that that indication drop pretty immediate. And so if I, I get all the way up to the maximum indication on that that concentration, it's not going to do me any good because I can't 
I can't see anywhere else if I've got a higher leak. What I can do is set that zero point and start over. And now I basically just changed my scale. And that's what we're doing. We're changing our scale as we get closer to the leak. So that way we can hone in on where the problem is mm -hmm. coming from. And it's always best to turn your leak detector on kind of away from any refrigerant source at all, right? Just kind of like open air, fresh air, or I mean, not necessarily outside fresh air, but if, if you're in a building, take it to a space where you're not potentially going to sniff refrigerant just so it can. Well, yeah, it is. And I think it's important to understand if we're talking specifically about stratus in pin, uh, in uh, PPM mode or cloud hunting mode, um, it's important to remember or know how that, that stratus is working. So what's happening is it's taking a reference from the inside of the leak detector and comparing it to the outside of the leak detector. So based off of that differential is gonna give me my PPM through a series of equations that our genius engineers at Inficon have come up with that I'm not gonna talk <laughs> about, um, but they, they have really done a good job um, making the responsiveness there and that's how we do it. Uh, but what can happen is if I if I'm in a uh, a large concentration uh, background of refrigerant, um, that background will eventually penetrate into the cavity of the stratus. Um, so if I'm let's say I, I'm sitting in a room that's got 10,000 ppm, my reference point that'll actually help me because now my reference point and the point that I'm sampling actually has a differential again. So that way it makes it uh, easy to use there. But if I do start to see PPM start to come down and I don't see a change, there's potential that that concentration has made its way into the leak detector. And now I don't have any differential between the sample and the reference sample and in the internal cavity of the unit. And that's the only thing you have to do to fix that is open it up, go to clean, clean air, and then you can kind of air it out make sure that there's clean air back in there, close the battery door and walk back in. I do see a lot of guys run around without the battery door on. Uh, it's just, you know, and, and some of that is because um, they need to replace the battery door. But, uh, you know, just make sure you have that that battery door on to get the most efficiency or make to make sure that uh, you're using the Stratus in the most effective way. Mm -hmm. Now, is the, the Stratus a tool where you can replace the sensors in the field? Yeah, absolutely. Um, not only replace them, but you can change the uh, the sensors to specific gases. So we can do hydrocarbon small charge stuff. And we also have a CO2 sensor. And the, what, what you do is you basically just pull on the tab on the sensor, pull it out of the unit, and you can replace it pretty easily. Um, we heard a lot from people, you know, it makes it easier to have one tool that you know, not necessarily forget about money, um, throw that aside, but having one tool that you know and are comfortable with using and not changing that to something else uh, is really helpful. So if we have this, the same tool just operate in, a, in the background a little different way, and basically what we're doing is changing the windows on the sensors. Um, but when you change those sensors, you still get to use the Stratus the way that you typically use it for refrigerant. Okay, cool. So, I mean, and, and the thing, and we just got to pre-charge that, uh, it, we can't replace the batteries on it. We got to, it's a charge rechargeable battery inside of it. It's oh, it's replaceable too. as well. So okay. we do, yeah. So we have a, um, a charging cradle. So almost like your, uh, any sort of power tool you have, you can swap out the battery if you want, 
or you can use the, you know, say you're in a, in a pickle, you can plug it in and use that Stratus at the same time if you had an extension cord. So you can charge it uh, with the battery in there. You can use it while the battery's dead and you, you need to charge it uh, or use it while you have it plugged in, or you can externally charge it via the charging cradle. Cool. So, I mean, I remember back in the day, everybody would always, uh, the, the, the leak detection conversation would come up and people would get on these groups and go, Hey, best leak detector go. <laughs> right. And it was always the H 10 back in the day, but I'm going to say, honestly, I've used, I've used a, a few different leak detectors. And as I said earlier, a few minutes ago, the DTEC Stratus is ex, is expensive because it's it's in a class of its own, I believe. And I think right now it's probably the best leak detector on the market. I mean, there, there's other there, there's other classes of leak detectors um, that are that are still good. I mean, I've used the Testo one for years, and I and I think it's amazing. But I'm talking in a class of its own. I think the DTEC Stratus is kind of at at that top class, and it's just it's just a fabulous. Um, tool if if you're going to find a leak for refrigerant especially if you're going to be finding a leak in in mechanical rooms or 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 if you're if you're talking vrf or something like that you're in a room with a bunch of heads right and and you want to find out which one is leaking i mean the the ppm cloud hunting mode is gonna is gonna kind of take you to the general area where you can go to pinpointing mode afterwards and i think that's the benefit of the DTEC stratus well, and the other part too, I would say, even for applications like VRF, not only um, do you have concentrations built up, whether it's T-bar land sealing or something like that, where the refrigerant piping is running behind there. So you really don't have any of these outside conditions that might affect you, let's say in a me mechanical room where dampers and fans open up uh, to cool mm -hmm. the, the area uh, in a sense. But you're able to, to, to bag that leak, we call it. So that's one way. But the other part with, with a lot of the piping is you have, um, you know, insulation. So we have accessories to help with that. We have a, um, a needle probe, we call it, which screws onto the end of the, uh, the, the Stratus um, uh, probe in replace of just the probe cap that's there. It looks like that with just a, a little metal piece coming out of it. And you can poke through insulation and see what's behind ah, the insulation. Cool. So if that. you don't want to cut it open and 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 pull it out, leak check the actual um, the joint, you know, without the without creating all that extra chaos for no reason, and it may not even being there. Uh, you can just poke through with the with the with the needle probe and actually just again what it's doing probing for any sort of concentration. That that is pretty. That that is a really. Um forward-thinking idea because in most cases if you think there's fittings behind the insulation you're cutting it all off right and probing exactly. and probing at different points is, is is a way better method it's just it, it's finding it's finding easier more efficient methods that that i'm all about like there, there's people out there that will go and take a whole bottle of soap and soap the entire unit i mean yeah you'll you might find it if the leak is big enough for soap but at the same time, soaping the using all of that soap, creating a mess everywhere when you could use a leak detector, pinpoint and soap one general area to me just makes more sense. It's more efficient. So poking through insulation instead of ripping it all off, that's another efficient way to go about leak searching. So I'm glad you brought that up because I had no idea that existed. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, you brought up like <clears throat> the H10 and and I'm not going to knock the H10 at all. Um, you know, people have said came up and said the H10 is good. It's just what our newer tools are doing is really moder- modern modernizing the way, sorry, uh, that we lead check in terms of new technology, meaning new sensors. You know, we have a, a tool, the TechMate, that operates very similar um, to the H10, um, and it's a heated diode sensor. And so there's differences there, right? There's there's trade-offs. You spend a little more, but you know, the biggest trade-off is I know that my uh, I'm, I'm more sensitive, but um, I know that my my tool is working right from the day that I started leak detecting with it or using it to the day that the sensor is going to tell me I need to be replaced or it needs to be replaced. And that's one of the biggest things I can't say enough is um, when somebody goes through with an entry level tool, um, they get done with their their leak search and they say, well, I didn't find anything. And then we say, well, did you, you know, how's your sensor doing? Because there's a sensor life to everything. And with heated diode, it actually degrades over time. Uh, it's almost like, um, you know, our Mark that you met um, says this all the time. It's almost like a razor blade. The more you use it, the duller it gets. Um, and you don't have quite the hours of operation that you do with a new um, infrared leak detector or infrared sensor. And so, um, you know, having that or having the knowledge that um, that you need to replace that sensor is going to keep it working in a, in a uh, in a good fashion, but the problem is some people will go through, do their whole uh, leak detection, and then they'll go, well, I didn't find anything, but it's, I know I have a leak somewhere. And then you say, well, did you replace your, your sensor? And they say, what sensor? <laughs> and then you say, aha, uh, I, that's, I think we found RTFM. our culprit. Yeah. So again, it all comes down to really, you know, the maintenance of some of these things and understanding how they operate, where like, you know, the modern way is with the infrared. And what that's doing is really just shining a light bulb uh, it, through the emitter. And then you've got the detector on the other side. And so, you know, I'm using a process of absorption, uh, of infrared absorption, I should say. And that's not degrading my sensor in any way because it's just gases passing through. So the only thing that makes that sensor quit is the light bulb in the gotcha. emitter. And so when and, and, and having the tool actually tell you it needs to be replaced is the second biggest thing that helps our end users um, understand, hey, look, tool's not working properly. I need to do something before I go in and, and uh, you know, and, and start my process. For sure. And it's always good to have like for for all the digital tools I carry, the, 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 the biggest one of the biggest things from or the biggest, I guess, lashback was like, oh, yeah, my my uh, analogs don't need batteries. When your batteries are dead, I'll be on to my next job. I'm like, come on, really? That's your argument. So I, I keep a pack of double A's, triple A's. I keep nine volts. Like every once in a while, I'll go to the store and keep a whole bunch of batteries in, in like a pouch in my, in my truck because I know I'm going to need them. So it's the same thing with, with sensors and stuff. Like if you can field replace sensors and you know that sensors field replaceable, Take out the manual of, of the tool that you buy, the detector, whatever it is, and see if the if it needs a sensor. How long does the sensor last? Is it field re- replaceable? If it is, I mean, make sure that you have these things on order or spares or backups, right, with you. Yeah. So it's like you, you yeah. wouldn't use you wouldn't go on a construction job job with one impact drill battery. You'd bring up a bunch and have them on charge. Right. 
right? So it's exactly. it's, it's just exactly. being pl- planning out your 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 service for the for the the, the weeks and months and, and year and making sure you have what you need to to complete the job properly. And that's just it. And, and, you know, between the new um, Stratus and, and our new DTEC3, um, say even within a company, you have a few different tools. What we've done is we made it so all of those sensors and all of those batteries are interchangeable. So now it's, you know, same thing, like you said, with your, your, your power tools that you have, you have the battery that works with this one. Well, we want you to be able to grow uh, with Inficon and be able to not have to carry a specific um, you know, battery for the DTEC three and then one for the Stratus. So, um, you know, in that way, we're trying to help our end users a little more and help them have a better experience for sure. All right. Well, I mean, this was, uh, this was eye opening, especially on the, the, the whisper side, uh, just, just learning about some of the things that we talked about here. And and I hope some of the, the audience members have picked up some knowledge from this. So Nick, I got to thank you for your time today, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks uh, for having me on. It was a great discussion. So I think what Nick was saying there is ultrasonic leak detection is not to take the place of electronic leak detection, but to supplement it in your leak detection sagas, your your journeys, your missions to find those pesky leaks that can haunt haunt us for for weeks, sometimes even a couple of years. I've seen leaks that no one can find for two, three years, and they just keep going back and topping up, topping up. Anyway, guys, you're educated up more than you were prior to the conversation, so I'm out. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know-It-All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.